everyone. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that we're proud to welcome Sabian as a new sponsor, and we're giving away a 16-inch crash from their new line, HHX Complex. All you have to do to be entered to win is leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, then copy and paste that review onto our Facebook page. This Facebook step is important because it not only gives us a boost there, it will also be how we contact you if you win. Here's what Sabian has to say about these new symbols. Using technology gleaned from years of developing some of the world's top-selling symbol lines like Evolution, Legacy, and Artisan, Sabian introduces HHX Complex, a new line of exquisitely dark crash symbols. The 16-inch Complex Crash employs a combination of HH and HHX hammering, a raw hammered bell, and a number of the aforementioned proprietary techniques, resulting in one of the richest, sweetest crash symbols Sabian has ever produced. So once again, to win a new 16-inch Sabian HHX Complex Thin Crash, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, then copy and paste it to our Facebook page between now and the end of October. Big thanks to Sabian for partnering with us and sponsoring this giveaway. Check them out on your social media platform of choice and Sabian.com. This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. What's up, everybody? Zach Albetta here, and you're listening to Working Drummer Podcast. Our guest today is Atlanta drummer Lewis Newsom. Lewis started his career in his hometown of Toledo, Ohio, and expanded into the neighboring Cleveland and Detroit scenes, putting some big names on his resume over the years, including Duele, Chubby Checker, and Sheila E. For the last six years, his home base gig has been as the drummer in the house band at Sweet Lounge in Atlanta for its Thursday Night Jazz series, which also includes some smooth jazz and R&B. In this capacity, he backs up a different featured artist every week, a list which by now includes hundreds if not thousands of names, among them Nathan East, Keiko Matsui, and Jeff Lorber. He's also an active worship drummer, performing at numerous conferences and events in addition to his home church every Sunday. As promised, we have added to our Patreon content. Our latest installment is a video lesson from Rob Mount on getting creative with sextuplets. If you want to support Working Drummer Podcast, a donation of as little as $1 a month gets you access to this exclusive educational content. Tons of really useful tips, tricks, and lessons in there from former guests, and there will be more coming soon. So go to patreon.com slash working drummer and become a patron to help keep us going strong. talk with an absolute monster behind the kit but a very soft-spoken gentle soul away from it lewis newsom were you playing last night did you do sweet lounge i did sweet lounge last night so tell me tell me about that gig that's a, that's a weekly gig mm-hmm. house band for incoming artists and it's just somebody different every week every week okay and and thursday is like Jazz night at Sweet Lounge, smooth, yeah. smooth jazz, funk, yeah. smooth jazz, whatever. Yeah, in that area, we even have some R and B artists, singers that come through. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's about that's about that. Uh, it's it's a good it's a good. It, it turns out good. How long have you been doing that? 
coming up on six years now. That long? That long. Wow. Okay. So, and has it been the same house band like the whole time? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, except the keyboard players. Um, we do have a new keyboard slash music director now who is Clarence Hill from the Four Corners. Cool. Okay. I was going to ask, like, does this house band have an MD? Is it? So, yeah. So he coordinates with the artists. Um, artist sends him the music. Then he sends us the clearance, sends us the music. Right. So this is like a, a set's worth of music every week or two every sets? Week. A set's worth the 90 minutes. So uh, a minimum of, we try to keep it a minimum of 12 songs, like, even though artists send like <laughs> 20 right. you know, some songs. I'm like, oh man, do they know it's only a 90 minute show? Right. But most of the time, you know, a lot of the artists are. Uh, they're open to, you know, they're asking, well, how many songs are we doing? How long is the show? And then they make their choices by then, you know. Cool, cool. So. And are these artists who are, like, on a, I mean, they're they're obviously traveling, but are mm-hmm. they on a circuit of, like, places that just have house bands like yeah. this? And they, most of them do, yeah. Wow. Yeah, most of them do. Just across, is it regional or national? or? Uh, it can be both. Yeah. You know, it varies with each artist, you know, and they have to deal with certain bands, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is why we try to give them the best quality and uh, letting them know that we study your music, you know, you're important to us for this week, you know. Right. Uh, and we'll we'll have it down packed, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about us, right? You know, right. As a unit. You know? So so take me through the week leading up to Thursday. Well, with me, um, we usually get the music. Well, we usually get now. We're starting to get the month's music. Well, I mean, uh, the music through for the four artists that are up for the month. I got you. We'll usually get that now. Okay. Um, and then how I usually work is Monday comes around, I'm starting to learn. Um, if I have some extra time, I'll even go earlier and say Sunday night. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll start. Just start shedding. Yeah. Just, so you've well, got just MP3s, start listening. you've got oh, charts, yeah. you've oh, got yeah. everything yeah. you need. Mm-hmm. Cool. All in a Dropbox. Uh, sometimes Sunday night, not like I usually you, but no later than Monday. Uh-huh. I start. Listening, you know, I start uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I may play it, but now my 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 thing is different because now I have started. Uh, well, not started, but I've been reading, and when I when I get those charts, they help me out with like I'll look at the bass charts. You sure, know, if they don't have drum, you know, mm-hmm. they barely get drum charts. Right. But I look at the bass charts and I listen to the music. I'll make my notes in the bass charts where, you know, I'll put next to the bar side stick or snare or whatever. Right, right. Which now is opening me up to do other things because now that I can read and make my notes, all I do is listen to the music. I listen to it Monday, Tuesday, or uh, like this past week, I had the thing, I had the Dave Wuckle tribute Monday. Right. My day was taken up. I couldn't start listening to <laughs> right. yesterday's show Monday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was forced to step out. I have to start Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, by Thursday I have it. And yesterday I was fine. Yeah. So that further tells me that rely on reading, studying the music, you mm-hmm. know, and 
really focusing on it. Yeah. You're good. I, have you found that that when you have a chart, like whether it's a drum chart or mm-hmm. a rhythm chart or whatever, um, like just spending time with the chart and the tune away from the drums. Oh yeah. Kind of. Oh yeah. Makes the drum process even shorter. Just like listen to the tune, read along with the chart, make your notes. Make like notes. don't even worry about playing. Just. That's what I've been leaning towards, <laughs> and it's been happening. And uh, if I have a lot on my plate besides Sweet Lounge, mm-hmm. then I'll go visit the drums and make sure right. I'm all intact. And you know, But if I just have a couple of stuff here and there, especially if I've already played with the artist, because that's kind of how it is now at Sweet Lounge. We're recycling artists that we have played for. It's been a couple of years. Right. And when I've got that music, I mentally store it mm-hmm. in a file cabinet in my brain. <laughs> To say this Way guy, back maybe, there. oh yeah, <laughs> this guy will be back next year or in a couple of years, you know. And yeah. I store it, and I just when the music comes again in a year or so, I'm like, I remember that, yeah. I remember that song, yeah. you know. So it's, I mean, it's a cool, um, it's a cool gig to have. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know of any other venue or any other drummer in town or or really any of the cities I've lived in that has that kind of an arrangement where there's a house band, artists come through. Um, is it is it more common than I think it is, or is it as unique as I think it is? Man, I come from a small city, so Toledo, right? Toledo, Ohio. Okay, never have nothing like that uh, consistently, right? So when I came here, I thought you know maybe that's what it is, but um, as time grew by, uh, I noticed that it wasn't too common. Yeah, and I I, I mean I. I counted a major blessing for now six years Yeah, for me to be here. And, you know, because stuff just doesn't last like that. Right. You know? Right. So I, I really counted a blessing that I'm still here with this with this unit, with this uh, organization, with the, doing the jazz. Mm-hmm. People still come out. They still pack the place out every Thursday. That's great. You know, and... and it, it it just happens, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm I'm very fortunate and blessed, yeah. you know, to still be a part. Whose idea was this arrangement? <laughs> uh, there's a guy. There's there's a guy who who's the promoter. I'm not sure whose idea it was. I'm not sure if it was the club's idea because the club, the actual spot, Sweet Lounge, uh, Sweet Food Lounge, they do something. Every pretty much almost every day, right? Every you know? night is kind of a different yeah, thing. Yes, a different thing. And Thursday is jazz night, or yeah, whatever other genre you want. Right, kind right. Of. Tuesday is like open mic night with like R and B. You know, you know, people that want to come in through the city. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's here. They want to sing. I believe that still is. I'm you know, I'm kind of not knowing what goes on, but I know Saturday is like their club night, you know, that everybody comes and hangs out. Right. You know, but I know specifically um, Thursday is their smooth jazz night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm really not sure who I want to say it was Doc Robinson, who was like the promoter and and books these people, you know, books the artists and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, Just on the strength of. Uh, I have a little his- history of what he was doing before he was doing this, before I came on. Uh-huh. You know, he had a, I'm thinking he it was a place called uh, Sambuca. Yeah, like that. that rings a bell. Yeah. It was before my time here. Before I, my time here, too. Okay. You know, so that's what I think it was what's stemming that. And that's why I'm, you know, I'm putting his name out there that I feel that he is 
the reason why this is going on and, mm-hmm. you know, bringing it to different people, bringing it to uh, an, a, a different establishment. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, I feel that. that it, way. it seems like a really great um, model <clears throat> for the future, possibly mm-hmm. for, for live music venues, because all we're hearing about is how traveling acts, traveling artists don't want to or can't afford to take much of a band with them. They're out there on their own relying on pickup bands, local guys or whatever. Yeah. But if more places like Sweet Lounge popped up, guys like you and me wouldn't like the the fact that artists don't want to take drummers with them mm-hmm. wouldn't ma- like we wouldn't have to go with anybody. They would just come around to us. Um I'm I I wonder if it's a uh, uh, you know, at all realistic to expect yeah, that, that right. model to, to right. become more popular. And I mean, you know, you have to imagine what the strain is on the artist when, you know, in this new day and age where you have to rely on the next city that you go to yeah. on a band to learn your music mm-hmm. and play it the right way. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I can understand that. And I so miss, you know, and not, not to mess up myself but I come from where you know you had a you had a squad and that squad was going everywhere with you right today is different yeah. you know the money the economy is different the money is different they just don't it's just not affordable anymore mm-hmm. um which is a you know I don't want to call it a curse but a a, a down a up and downside to it with mm-hmm. me because I always wanted to do that mm-hmm. well you know I did a little bit but I always wanted to be the guy to travel with uh, uh, a artist, mm-hmm. you know, where they take their band everywhere and right. stuff like that. But, right. you know, here we are, and I'm still blessed to have the artist come to us, right. you know, in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't have to get on a plane and, you know, uh, wait for a hotel to get done when we get off the plane, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It, it really, it, it really is a... A bittersweet situation. You yeah, know? yeah. More sweet than bitter, though. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, plan A for everybody is to, like you said, be part of a squad, a squad travel everywhere together, just be super tight and, and do it. But, you know, the next best thing is just staying home and filling your schedule. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? And I, I'm more, you know, I still travel here and there, and I don't mind it. You know, it was... Uh, you know, I, I kind of when when I moved here, I kind of became kind of burned out of traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, running for flights at five a.m. You right. know what I mean? Right. And um, you know, everything worked out when I when I got here. It was less travel, and you know, I picked up a couple of tours while I was here with different artists, not from here, but you know, they called and mm-hmm. you know they asked me to be a part, and you know I was there, and then I was like. Ah, yeah, this is what it feels like again. <laughs> you, know, you know, doing those overseas dates and yeah. you know, just touring and stuff. But, you know, I get a kick out of working out the city. You know, mm-hmm. I don't mind going out on the road. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy working out the city. I can just get in my car, go, yep. come back, get in my own bed at a decent time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. so as far as the artists that, that you've worked with there, I, I would imagine that some, you know, want everything verbatim the way it is on the record or in the chart or whatever whereas others are like do something i don't care yeah take yeah. me take me someplace yeah <laughs> yeah and you can usually uh tell by the music huh. you know if it's easy music 
uh, nine times out of ten, that artist is gonna come in the day where we you know we start sound checking. He's gonna come in like, y'all know how easy this music it is that I just sent. As uh, soon as he hears us play, he's like, oh yeah, we're gonna have a fun night. Right. You know, right. it's like, just do you, and you know, have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, where most artists are kind of particular you know mm-hmm. here and there um but if, if the music is more complex they yeah t- they tend to be pickier about they tend to be pickier nailing that complexity oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah which isn't a which isn't a, a bad thing you know right it, it, there's a difference between you know being particular and just being a jerk sure you know <laughs> so i it is it isn't a it isn't a bad thing you know they want what they want. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same at the same time, <clears throat> you have to communicate with this band that is only playing your music one time right. today. Right. You know, you have to know how to talk to us and, you know, communicate with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can get it done. You right. know. Right. Some some are better than others in that regard. Some are better than others. <laughs> Have there been some bad nights? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, we get through it. And we know our, you know, we know our, our our capable means of between all four of us or whoever, you know, that comes in. Um, we know how to get the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, we 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 we're not, we don't underestimate our professionalism. Sure, you know, sure. So, and I would imagine that that some weeks are just uh, a, an exercise in, like you said, professionalism. Just like put your head down, get through it. Do yeah. the best you can. Yeah, deliver what you can for that artist yeah. and that audience that night under uh, less than ideal yeah. <laughs> circumstances. Right, right, right. <laughs> Get it done. You know, do the best you can and sound check. Because uh, uh, Clarence, the Clarence Hill always says, is like once the show starts, we can't stop and go back again. Right, you know? right. Keep it moving. Just who, do your best. Who have been some of the the highlights as far as artists that have come through oh, there for man, you? My favorite, uh, probably my top favorite. Is Nathan East? Wow. Uh, Nathan East. Uh, for me, um, you know, musically, Nathan East, um, Bobby Lyle, uh, Nelson Rangel. Uh, who are some of my favorites? Oh man, those those are the ones that that really stick out. Oh, Jeff Lorber, mm, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Keiko Matsui, oh man, she she was, and yeah. and and her music, you know, to me, was was very complex. Mm-hmm. You know, reading those charts, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she had she had a different uh, feel, you know, for this new record she had just dropped. But man, I enjoyed every second of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I enjoyed every second of the challenge. Sure, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, those are those are some of my highlights. What about playing with Nathan East? I mean, he's uh, you know man. he's one of the one of the busiest, most celebrated bassists in the history of the universe. Uh, is is there is there a vibe like as soon as somebody like that starts playing, you're like, oh, this is different. This is why he's Nathan East. Yes, because and you know what? For me personally, he has great music, great music, and of course his 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 charts of people he's played with. But man, Nathan East is just a good 
person <laughs> to be around. Yeah, he's yeah. always uplifting. He's always got a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. I I love that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's even called me to go out overseas and play with him. You know, uh, to fill in. Uh, for Steve Ferone and yeah. you know, and you know, I I thank him for that. But man, he's just if if he he if he could have never called me for anything, another another show, you know that like he did, just the one time when he came to Sweet Lounge and we played for him, man, that that's why and he sticks out. He was the first name I called when you asked me who am I. Nathan right, East right. sticks out because of not just his music, but his who he is mm-hmm. he is just a great guy mm-hmm. period yeah yeah you know that's all i can say about that did his did his bass playing change your drumming at all at least for that night that you played with him or uh yeah that you know i i tried to uh he to the music so everybody has a different vibe and i tried to musically uh, be a part of what what their vibe is, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Nathan was one of them. Sure, you know. In that, and it's interesting in in that situation, like in in every situation, you kind of there there's some where you have to kind of fit into a vibe, whoever it is, whatever it is, and other situations where like you can be the vibe and you yeah. you get to say like. I'm in charge. Y'all get on my back. I'm yeah, this, right. Yeah, but you're you're in the former situation mm-hmm. like every week, every week, <laughs> every week, and, and and I'm gonna lay back until I, I. My thing is, I rather the artist tell me to come on, give me some more, mm-hmm. than tell me to okay, slow down, you know, sure. or, or calm down, or or soften it up a little bit, you right, know. Right, right. I rather that than. You and know. when you when you say give me some more, like do you do you hang back dynamically? Do you hang back in terms of complexity or just everything? I guess what I'm asking is how how do you like when you're first playing with an artist in mm-hmm. rehearsal, how do you um sort of hang back like you said and and not overwhelm everybody, but at the same time make it clear that like I mean business, I'm not fucking around, I know what I'm doing. Right. Like you can count on me. Yeah. Uh basically I just tend to really be in tune what what the artist has sent as far as music. Mm-hmm. And then I'll interpret just a little bit, you know, how I am, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, you know, for the most part, they usually like it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not all the time. But, uh, you know, you'll get that. You, what they want you to do, right? You know, that's right. what sound check and rehearsal is all about. You know, yeah. And by showtime, you know, th- then that's when your professionalism comes in. Yeah, you know, don't take it uh, harshly if you know he's telling you something you might not want to hear. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, you, you you just take it as a you know this is what he wants. Sure. You're still here. You know. And you mentioned like you you you've been doing this long enough to where you can you can start to kind of tell what an artist is going to want and need just by listening to what they sent you and reading what they sent you. I mean, we talk all the time about um, you know being able to to understand what an artist needs when they're in front of you. Right. right. <laughs> like when you're playing with them or when they're talking to you, yeah. you know, part of professionalism, part of musicianship is being able to synthesize, 
you know, everything that's coming at you, but you're at a point where you've, you're starting to be able to do that, like just by hearing their music, just by looking at their chart. Yes. That's uh, a different skill. That's, that's a different kind skill. of another level. Yes. Yes. Um, and really, you know, that's where it, it really helps when you really take the time to be musical as possible in whatever skill that, you know, what bass, drums, whatever. Mm-hmm. That that is a part of it, uh, just playing and being tight, right? You know, and being uh, uh, self sure of this feels good, you know, and I'm gonna use this feel when I meet up with the artist, mm-hmm. you know. That way, he does he doesn't have to worry about ah man he you know he kind of slows down when he plays or he's not really tight he's kind of loose and. You know, he's playing the snare on the wrong thing. You know, you really got to be in tune right. to, you know, the music and the musicality of it and, you know, be open to different stuff because that's what we do with Sweet. We have all kind of genres that come through, yeah. you know. It's yeah. just not smooth jazz. It's kind of in the relation of smooth jazz, but we have all kind of, you know, smooth jazz situations that come through Latin. Yesterday we, we were playing all kind of Latin stuff yeah. yesterday with uh, Mark Antoine and you know R&B artists come through and you, you have to you have to be a chameleon with right. this genre of music. Right. You know, so. And I would imagine that just like knowing the songs mm-hmm. like aside from what you're going to play on the drums how aggressive you're going to be or whatever um, it, it probably d- does it does it set artists at ease to if if you can demonstrate that you just know this song like I can be busier with it I can be more aggressive or less or whatever but I know how many bars are in the bridge mm-hmm. and I know what the groove is for mm-hmm. the chorus mm-hmm. and I know that hit that's coming up um is is that kind of your focus for a lot of these things yeah uh no yeah knowing the music and um as as long as you know the music you know Whatever the artist throws out, you can catch. Mm-hmm. Even if he stops the band and says, "Okay, instead of doing this, let's go here," it's it's less stress stressful when you know the music first. Right. You know, it's less stressful for the artist. Yeah. You know, um, where he can hold up a, a hand sign or you know tell you we're gonna go to the bridge. Right. Or, you know, but you know it, it's it's more rewarding that you know to know that. He knows you're in control at the same time, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. What a tough gig, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds it sounds super fun, but yeah. like one of those one of those situations where you're never uh, you're you're not allowed to just kind of form a, a rapport, mm-hmm. you know, over any length of time. It's mm-hmm. just like one hit Thursday night. We did it. On to the next one. On to the next one. <laughs> on to the next one. On, like to- on top of the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> on top of the other stuff you have, you know, because everybody, all these guys, we we work um, besides Sweet Lounge. I right. mean, we have a ton of stuff. Uh, Chris Harris is the lead guitar player, and he's a part of Pieces of a Dream and other stuff that goes on in the city. Mm-hmm. Aaron Clay, the bass player, uh, he he plays with Johnny Gill and... and, and uh, uh, who else? Uh, Silk and you know, 
not to mention the other stuff that goes on in the city. Yeah. T. Lee, he has his, well, Clarence, he has his uh, band of Four Corners who he has to work with and, right. you know, other situations around town. You know, it's it's really, it's, it's I don't know, it, you just have to have the mind uh, because it'll take you out, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. It'll burn you out if you you let all this stuff and then you have to learn music with a new artist every week. It yeah. will burn you out if you don't have the mental stamina to be like, okay, let's get this in order. Right. You know, let, let's 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 jot this down and and let me put together a a, a timeline here right, of right. what I need to do and how I need to perfect it. like a, a, a perfect microcosm of making a living in music in general, mm-hmm. which is that sometimes it's stressful, sometimes it's amazing mm-hmm. um, and and every you know every week is different, every month is different, but it's never boring right It's never <laughs> boring. It's never boring. If it feels boring and it starts feeling like a job, you need to get out mm-hmm. you need to get out yeah so yeah well do, do you think you need to get out like no matter no matter what, what other circumstances are, I mean, so if, if you're in a gig and you've been in a gig for a couple of years, whether it's at a venue or, or with a band, um, I don't know when I, when I, when I hear something like that, uh, I think of people who have non-musical jobs and they do the same thing every day. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just feel like, so are, are there are there times when we just have to go to work and do the same shit every day? Um, and I I don't know. I guess I'm I'm um, wondering where. I guess it's different for everybody, but where people should draw the line as far as you know making a living, being consistent, taking care of my shit versus reaching for more creative things or challenging yourself more. Like where's the line between complacency and uh, creativity or ambition, I guess. Yeah. Well, my my take on that is, yes. Uh, people that uh, do consistent work, mm-hmm. um, it's just like in the musical field. Although we do something different, there is a time where you should step away. To reflect, go go on a vacation. Yeah, you know you have you have to because there's no way around it. You will burn out mm-hmm. if you're just doing this as a machine. Your mind and 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 it's like no, I can do this all day. Your mind is I can do this all day. Your body's telling you something different. Mm-hmm. You, your body, you you're working your body like it's a machine, like it's a well-oiled machine. You cannot. You you won't last mm-hmm. if you don't take the time. It, and it doesn't matter if if. If it was like a regular job, consistent job, people with regular jobs have to take a vacation, especially if you don't like it. Right. <laughs> if you don't like what you do, mm-hmm. oh, man, you're in the biggest trouble. Yeah. You know, but in this music world where we all do stuff different, it doesn't matter. There's a time to me. There is a time where you need to get away. Yeah. You know, not get out. Right. You know, right. To me, getting out is I've had it. Right. You know, I'm burnt. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in a musical rut. 
I got to get out of this. Yeah. I'm not happy anymore. But getting away is I need to take time. I need to go somewhere, relax for a few days, get my mind back before I get in that rut. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you have you have to know. When. Definitely. And I think some some musicians um, maybe have trouble telling the difference between boredom and true burnout. I, like, I guess my point earlier was that, like, I, I think we should all be ready to deal with a little bit of boredom. Like, mm-hmm. we should be so lucky to have a gig that's so consistent that you get bored with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. If you're burnt out, if it's like if you're hating life every day because of that gig, that's a different situation. But, you know, a, a little a little boredom here oh, and yeah. there. Oh, yeah. You know? You're not going to have every gig is not going to be uh what you want it to be right you know and that's where the boredom may come in and that's cool because to me that'll that'll open it should open your eyes to to where you know what this is kind of boring but it'll give you a chance to reflect like but i'm still here and i'm doing something that i love even Mm -hmm. though it's not what i wanted you know the music that i want to play or Mm -hmm. you know the artist i want to be with you know it's just i'm here you know and I have a decision to make that if I want to be here, I can. If I don't, I can move to something else. Right. You know, or, you know, hit the road and do something with somebody else. Right. You know, you have that decision Mm -hmm. in the music world, whereas not so much in the corporate world. Yeah. Those people are stuck. Yeah. You know, they make the decision, you know, I have no choice. I have no choice. You know, it's much harder for them to find something else when... They don't even really know what they want to do in the first place. Right. They have to do something. Right. You know, where it's in the music world where, you know, you chose this. You know, it, it didn't chose you. You didn't wake up and say, oh, I play the drums today. I got to go play drums. Yeah, this is my job. If you feel like that, you need to get out and yeah. find another occupation. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. My wife asked me the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, do you, do you ever go into a gig, like, dreading it? You know, because in in her job, like she she goes into some days just mm-hmm. just dreading kind of what she has to do that day mm-hmm. or who she has to deal with or whatever. And I think that's that's part of most you know quote unquote regular jobs. But she said, do you do you ever have days like that where you're you're like literally like, oh, I have to go play drums today? And I thought about it and I was like, no. You know, I'm I'm definitely more excited about some gigs than others, and some gigs I go into and it's just kind of neutral. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna go do this. It's not gonna blow my hair back. I'll make some money. It'll be fine. Whatever. But that's pretty much the lowest. That's the lowest. For me. <laughs> Same here. Right. You know, that's the lowest for me. It's just one night. Yeah. You know, uh, you get in. And another thing is, musicians, it, you can get in that mode to where, if you are uh, careful of your finances and what you what you spend mm-hmm. you can make those decisions on your own to what you want to do yeah you know if not then do the gigs that you have to do until you can get to do the gigs that you want to do yep yep and speaking of that we're we're doing a, a live episode in October about money and mm-hmm. finances and finance that's um, great it's going to be in Nashville I think it's October 23rd okay um but uh, but yeah, it's something that that just doesn't get talked about enough, and I, like I had to come to this realization myself, like uh, about you know how much of your living you make playing drums. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was in my twenties, I said like I would I would rather play 
any gig in the world for any amount of money than uh, than do anything else. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And of course, along the way, I've done other things, like some musical, some not. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm playing a bunch of gigs, but I'm also teaching a bunch of lessons. Mm, and nice. the income from the lessons has allowed me not only to go on vacation and whatever, mm-hmm. like you said, but like I don't have to take every single gig. Because there were gigs where I was going into it like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you had to. Right. Yeah. I needed that $75. You had, there's, yes. <laughs> there's a bill that you had to pay. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, I I enjoy teaching more than I used to. And, and uh, yeah, so, like, na- now, as a slightly older man, I'm I, that's a deal I'm willing to make. Mm-hmm. And I played a gig uh, recently mm-hmm. where I, I canceled teaching to go play this gig because I had never done it. It was some people I'd never played with before. And I was like, okay, let's go see what this is about. Mm-hmm. And after that gig, I was like, I should have just taught. <laughs> I should have just kept my students tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the experience of that gig just wasn't... wasn't it wasn't what you thought. Right, yeah. right. It wasn't mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that it was, you know, terrible, just mm-hmm. unbearable start to finish. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't very good. It just so wasn't I was very like, good, yeah. Screw it. I don't yeah. need to do this again. Yeah. But it's the decision that you made. You can you've made that decision to where you know you'll be cautious. Like you know, you know you might not go back to that gig. Mm-hmm. You know, because now you know and you have other options. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's good to even have that situation where, and at the same time, it can humble you as well. Like, mm-hmm. man, I don't have to do this if I don't want to again. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do this now. But I would have never. You would have never known that if you didn't go the first time to go right. take that opportunity yeah you know so yeah. options um, man yeah. <laughs> i god i tell young drummers all the time just mm-hmm. like the 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 lower your overhead is the lower your debt is mm-hmm. the better you are with money the more options you're gonna have gonna have um, absolutely and I'm, I'm just getting to the point now where i'm i'm giving myself more options because i've made bad decisions mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. my, in my 20s yeah This episode is brought to you by DrumSellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free, and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at DrumSellers.com. So were you part of the Detroit scene as well? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you said that like, oh man, man. <laughs> Detroit is uh, is like a second home, man. I, I've been, man. I started traveling to Detroit ah, probably when when I was about ten or eleven, just playing my uncle. Uh, I can remember my uncle. He's a pastor, mm-hmm. and I would be traveling to do. Uh, evening services on Sundays or some Wednesdays mm-hmm. and we would travel to different churches where he he would preach and he would always take me and just been going back and forth to Detroit ever since you know with different situations as I got older right you know was it like an hour away or oh yeah, yeah. about an hour uh, let's see yeah maybe about an hour maybe an hour and 20 depending on where situation you know the church was or yeah. anything like that yeah. yeah not far at all you know so um it was was there a point when you just moved to Detroit or was no? It? I never lived in Detroit. Uh, so you moved from Toledo a, to here. I moved to Toledo to Cleveland. Okay, for about 
and then I was kind of back and forth from there. But I have uh, I have an aunt and uncle in Cleveland, and the same thing applies with Cleveland. I've been in, going to Cleveland since my aunt and uncle moved there from Elyria, Ohio, probably since I was 11, mm-hmm. about the same age. So I've been in Cleveland as the same amount of time as I've been in Detroit. Not playing, but uh, just visiting my aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a there was a time where before I moved here, yeah, I was playing at a church in Cleveland, uh, and at one point, yeah, I was kind of living with my aunt and uncle. Um, thank God for them, you know, so I wouldn't have to go home, right? You know, a lot of times, and then come back because now Cleveland. Now we're talking. That's a two and a half hour drive, right? You know, from Toledo, right, right. So, uh, yeah. So you did like mainly the church thing in in Cleveland. Yeah. What kind of troubles you get into in Detroit? Uh, it was church in Cleveland. I mean, in in Detroit. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh. I started playing with, uh, um, that's when I first met Dwele. Mm-hmm. I first met Dwele, uh, who's a who's a major artist, um, when a friend of mine from Toledo, who I grew up with, who actually lives here now, uh, <laughs> asked me if I was interested in playing a show with him in Detroit, you know. And uh, that's funny how that story was. I, I was just coming off of... Uh, an overseas uh, tour that I had been doing for a couple months, and you know I didn't have anything else planned. The the winter situation was over with, and um, my friend uh, uh, Courtney, we call him Smurf. His name is Smurf, but his, his real his government name is Courtney Dwight. His government name is his government name is <laughs> Courtney Dwight. I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, what we say. Uh, <laughs> he called. He called me. And asked me what I'd be interested in. I said, oh, yeah. you know." And I had just learned about this artist, Dwele, mm-hmm. uh, maybe about a couple months before, you know, and started listening to him. And, you know, man, I was like, man, he's got some great music. Asked me what I'd be interested in. And uh, did a rehearsal, did a couple rehearsals, did a show mm-hmm. in Detroit. And I thought that was it. I thought I was just filling in. About a week later, the management calls me and says, yeah, I need your info, you know. He's got another show coming up, and I was like, okay. Uh, and uh, the second show we did was in uh, Birchmere. That was the second show I did with him, uh, which is like in, uh, like right on the line of like I, I think like Baltimore, or, you know, yeah, okay. uh, Virginia, something like that. Uh-huh. I was the sec- That was the second show I did, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm feeling it. It's the third time he calls me. Yeah, you available for this day? And I was like. Uh, yeah, I, you know, what is the other drum? You know, because I knew the other drummer was. He was like, "No, you're, you're in, man." Was, <laughs> I was like, "Oh." He was like, "Yeah, you're, you knew the other drummer." I know who he was. Right. I didn't know him personally, but I knew of him and I knew who he was. Right. Um, and the management was like, "No, you're in." Pretty much, your your first show was your audition. Wow. You know, you these these guys from Toledo, me, Smurf, and uh, James, who actually lives here too, the bass player. <laughs> he plays keyboard at a church uh, uh, out here in Atlanta, and he's a great bass player. He plays with Angie Stone now. Mm-hmm. Um, us three guys, were, we were in, you know, about the third. I just really didn't know, you know. Yeah. He was, he was like, no, you 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 passed the audition. You know, we just never told you. Right. You know, which right. was your first show in Detroit. And that's how I got started with Dwelle. Wow. You know? 
and that lasted uh that was about 2008 to about the time that I moved here, which was about 2012, 2013. Yeah. That I've been on the road with them. Wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's so weird how how different bands and artists and, and managements go about bringing someone new on. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's it's obvious. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a cattle call and mm-hmm. a formal audition and whatever. Sometimes there's kind of like, let's bring you on for a few, have a probationary period. Yeah. And then there's other times, like, you were just kept in the dark. You thought you were doing a one-off. I thought I was doing a one-off, exactly. And, and, it's, and, and it's it's cool, but kind of frustrating. Like, yeah. I wish, yeah. I wish there was just a more obvious kind of way that people went about it. I was talking with Kevin Leon. You know Kevin, mm-hmm. right? And we were talking about when he like became the drummer for St. Paul and the Broken Bones, um, like he he knew the deal at first. It was mm-hmm. like, well, let's let's bring you on for this tour. We'll go out. We'll do a few dates. We'll see how things fit. So like he knew the score from the beginning. But even in that situation, sometimes uh, sometimes they just don't call you again, or sometimes they keep calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Kevin was was lucky. Like I envy him for this situation. Like after the first few gigs they did, mm-hmm. they sat him down and they looked him in the eye and they were like, "We want you to be the guy. Wow. Will you be the guy?" It's like they proposed to yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, it's different, man. Yeah, how, you you're right. It's <laughs> how situations happen with people and you know how management or. You know, whoever's in charge comes to you. And, right. You know, you know, my thing is just do your best. Yeah. Whatever you do, go out there and do your best. Learn the music, you know. Be a good guy. Sure. Be a great guy to talk to, be on time. Yeah. You know, have your gear updated, you know, have a car, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> have great hygiene. You know, right. Just, just those type of stuff. You'd be surprised how many musicians get put on just by their personality more so than their gift yeah. and their talent. And I I'm glad I'm glad that was your answer because in that moment <clears throat> it's a perfect example of how I get like heady and thinky about shit and mm-hmm. and start to think differently about how I'm going to approach a situation the more I know about mm-hmm. the situation mm-hmm. when in fact what what you said like all I have to worry about is learning the shit showing up on time oh, yeah. and being oh, yeah. cool you get whether it's a one off or like the first gig of the rest of your life mm-hmm. um yeah it's a good reminder for me oh, yeah 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 your gift this will make room the gift the, the plane will make room for you mm-hmm. your attitude and how you present yourself when those two hours are up when you get off that instrument mm-hmm. is what's going to keep you there. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And even, even if the opportunity to stay there isn't there, even if it truly is a one-off, mm-hmm. your job isn't any different. Oh yeah. You right. Know? Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I always, I always try and triangulate situations and, yeah. and just, yeah. just to in, you know, in an effort to, to put my best foot forward and present myself in the best way possible. But, but it's, I'm glad you said that it's a good reminder that all I need to do to put my best foot forward (laughs) and present myself in the best way possible is just learn, learn the shit and be cool. Yeah. 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 All that. So, so what made you want to uh, leave the Toledo, Detroit, Cleveland thing? And, and why did it end up being Atlanta? Well, uh, because I felt I had outgrew a lot of situations there. Well, it's not a lot, you know. I, I, I between those three, mm-hmm. Toledo, Detroit, and Cleveland, I did a lot, you know. But it was it, it was just 
I wanted something more than the same situation that was happening around there. And um, uh, my first thought was, this is when I was visiting L.A. a lot. And I really thought, you know, I was going to be moving to L.A. I loved it. The only downside was, man, the cost of living was... Yeah. Oh my goodness! I, I lived there for five years, and and it's it's real, <laughs> man. It's it's very real. Um, but you know, I prayed about it, and you know, I just left it up to God. And I got a call uh, from a friend of of the family who lives out here, who was at a church, um, and he said, "Man, I have a situation for you. Come on out here, get get you started." You can come stay with me, you know, until you get get your own place, mm-hmm. you know, and that prayer is answered. I said, okay, yeah, because I it was either Atlanta or L.A., you know, and I said, just, you know, I just want to be in the right situation. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be where I want to be. You know, I know where I want to be, but I want to be in the right situation right. where I can thrive and be successful. So you had your eye on L.A. Mm-hmm. Was was Atlanta on your radar? Oh, at absolutely. All? Okay, so you were kind of considering. Oh yeah. It. Okay. Oh yeah. Got it. Yeah. This wasn't a. Uh, I wanted to go to L.A. Lord. Okay, so I guess I'll go to. No, it wasn't that at all. <laughs> wasn't that at all. I yeah. I was happy um, to be here. You know, yeah. I was happy when I got the call. And, and you already knew people here. You I knew kinda... knew some people here. I knew a lot of people in L.A. That which is why I was like. If I go to L.A., I know a lot of people there. I would never have a problem. You know, right. I knew more people in L.A. than I did Atlanta. But I, there were still people here in Atlanta that right. I knew. more, And they were friends. They, they're very close to my family, mm-hmm. you know, my mother and father. Mm-hmm. You know, so I knew still I wouldn't have a problem, yeah. you know, if yeah, I yeah. ran into anything. So. so a church gig kind of gave you the anchor to, to come out here. Yes. And is it is it still the same church you play? No. Okay. No. Uh uh, I'm at currently I'm at another church uh, playing um, on Sundays now, uh, Elizabeth Baptist Church, mm-hmm. uh, and I love where I'm where I'm at. Love it. Shout out to Pastor Tim Sims. <laughs> I, I love it. Cool. Love it. You know, easy, and uh, he has a great word, and I love it. Yeah. You know. So how did you go about kind of building uh, your your schedule and your career? around this church gig once once you first got here when i first got here well when i first got here uh i really didn't have much i i wasn't and and it was a choice i left a lot of stuff this is when i i left the dwelling situation um i didn't have much at all uh i wanted to start over kind of mm-hmm. you know i wanted to start over and um Start over musically or or in a more personal way or start over musically, uh-huh. you know, with new situations. I, I didn't really want to travel as much. You know, that's when I kind of like I said before, I got burned out yeah. of traveling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I really just wanted to start over musically, kind of just be hitting. I wanted to play at church, didn't mind playing around the city. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Charles Schaefer gave me that opportunity to play around the city because at the time he was on the road Mm -hmm. uh, and he was letting me fill in for him at all his little weekend things. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I got my name more 
around the Atlanta area right. uh, outside of church was filling in for him. Shout out to Charles Schaefer because, you know, he was shouting my name out a lot. Hey, this guy is here. If you don't know who he is, you know, check him out. Right. Um, he's going to be filling in for me, you know, a lot. And uh, He's a badass with an empty schedule. Yeah, he's, he's Get open. Him. Yeah, he's <laughs> open, you know. Yeah, he's here. He wants to work, you know. So, yeah, Charles Schaefer was uh, a major... Uh, he was a major advocate for me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to, to help me get around. It's it's really important to have somebody like that when you move. Yeah, I think yeah. like uh, in 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 most situations, I think it's better to have you know better quality relationships than quantity. Because mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned like you know you know you knew a ton of people in L.A. Who may or may not have given you the time of day right. when you got there, right. but but you had one guy in Atlanta who yeah. was in your corner, just like shouting your name out every chance he had, and that led to a lot. How yeah. how long ago was it that you moved? That was 2012. That was July 17th, 2012. I got here in Atlanta about 5 p.m. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. Drove down. First thing I did was stop at the church. When I got here, uh, where uh, the friend of mine was uh, at, and took off from there, mm-hmm. met the pastor, and I took off from there. Cool. Yeah. And so not long after that, the Sweet Lounge thing came around. The right? Sweet Lounge thing came around a year yeah. later or something like that? Yeah. yeah. About, maybe about a year later. Uh, it was it was like any other situation. It was a fill-in situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it was a... Okay, let me call this guy back again because and then that kind that was kind of a uh, thing too because church rehearsal was on Thursdays mm. and um, the church situation they really wanted you to be at the rehearsals you know but uh, you know ways were made and um, they were a little lenient on me to you know going ahead and do certain things mm-hmm. um, so. A lot of times, Thursdays, they would let me do it. But I, that, it was around the time where I wasn't getting consistent calls from Sweet Lounge yet. Yeah. And when I started getting those consistent, and then he was like, yeah, we, we have to have you. And, you know, that was that was a little different, too. That was kind of scary because now I have to make a decision on, you know, risking losing my bread and butter church gig, right. you know, over a one day a week. You know, situation. Yeah. You know, but uh, it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. I didn't lose it. We. It was a compromise situation. So, yeah. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so since you've been here, mm-hmm. uh, I was just looking at like your your bio and a, a few of the names on it. You uh, you played with Sheila E recently. Yes. Gladys Knight. Yes. Chubby Checker. And you were on the soundtrack for uh, A Star Is Born. Yes. The movie. Yes. Um. That's just that's just a few things. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, was was the chubby checker thing since you've been in Atlanta? No, that was before. Atlanta. That was before. Okay, um, a friend of mine from Detroit, a good friend of mine, um, put me on with chubby checker when he started getting calls to do other stuff. Okay, and the chubby checker situation lasted. Mm, about a little, little over a year, uh-huh. you know, traveling with him and 
different cities and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So, th- I mean, this was kind of before you got burned out on the Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, this was way before. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about playing with, with Sheila E, because that was recently, right? Oh, man. Yeah, that was, uh, man, you have to be, just, just another situation, you have to be on point, <laughs> you know. And uh, she's a really good person to work with. Mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of her since mm-hmm. God knows. I mean, man, I think I first learned about Sheila with, with with Prince. Right. You know, back in the day. Yeah. You know, and once I started reading Modern Drummer magazine, then, you know, there she was on the next page, you mm-hmm. know. Uh but um she's always been around and man, it was an absolute pleasure to to sit and play with her, you know. At a you know a full show. What was the show like? It was a it was a it was the hundred black men. I can't remember the full name. Hundred black men. I don't know a wilderness situation. I remember what you're talking about. It was in Atlanta. No, it was in Vegas. Oh, this was in Vegas. It was like a convention. Okay. And uh, the situation was because I was playing with uh, another bandmate from Prince's band which mm-hmm. is Mike Phillips who I normally play with um and it was his situation and you know they teamed up he brought her in and we shot like two songs with her that we had to learn and mm-hmm. we had to know just like her regular band right, you know right uh but this is what you do every week this is what we do every week <laughs> you know yeah. and 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 because because of this is what we do every week made it a lot more easier to have the time to sit down and you know because it's just, it's the same thing right you know what do you have to do what do you need you get focused with the music you mm-hmm. know this isn't no you know this is the big leagues now right you know right. so you know get it tight get it together yeah. you know work it out yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting how um you know, we we tell ourselves and we tell each other that you should prepare the same way for every gig. Just yeah. treat every gig exactly the same. Yeah, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't. Like the you know, the gigs you're more comfortable with, or mm-hmm. the gigs that are kind of lower stakes, lower profile, whatever. It's like you get you get ready for them, but then there are some gigs where you're like, oh, I have to, I have to, you have to sit screw down. my head on straight. Yeah, for this one. Yeah, I got to sit at the kit with this one. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's just one of those things you have to take precaution in. Mm-hmm. You know what to do because you want to be in this game uh, of playing different genres of music. You're gonna have to really buckle down and and know what it takes to. Make sure this artist is pleased with you. Right, you know, right. You this this one matters a oh, lot. Oh, this one was this <laughs> one was top. You can't mess up on this. Yeah, one, yeah. You know? And you know, there should definitely be a floor as mm-hmm. far as your preparation. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm not saying that that anybody should kind of sandbag mm-hmm. on a gig, mm-hmm. but uh, like I I I think it's okay to take some gigs more seriously than others. You never want to just completely bail and abdicate your professional yeah. responsibility. Right, right. But if you if you can see each gig on kind of a a spectrum of like, okay, I'm going to take care of my stuff for this one, but it's not too big a deal. Like this one has to be the priority. I'm going to you know, yeah. Because um, otherwise, you'll make yourself crazy. You make yourself nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really have to take the time to sit down and renew your mind, mm-hmm. and just come back. You know, mm-hmm. or else you'll you'll lose it. What do you do to do that? 
Oh man, well, you know I'm a, I'm a Christian man, so I take the time to really. Uh, if I feel myself getting overwhelmed, that is one of the things I have to do is sit down, renew my mind, uh, pray, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, just come back. You know, this, this Lord, get me back. You know where I am. And boom, it, it just have you relax, mm-hmm. you know, and help me get this together. And is that something you have to make a date with or can you take 15 seconds wherever you are, whenever? Well, Renewing your mind is it's it's a daily task, uh-huh. you know, especially dealing with other people in the world. As soon as you leave your house, you, I mean, even inside your house, stuff you know got technology now, so right. stuff comes across your phone. You know, yeah, you, 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 it's a daily thing. It's man. not even my phone. I look out the window at all the fucking yard work I have to do. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to do this? You know, <laughs> the thing about it is just don't let it overwhelm you mm-hmm. too much you know once once you feel like and you notice i'm starting to fill up tight mm-hmm. let me renew my mind let me let me chill let me pray let me get myself back you know yeah yeah once you start thinking that it's all the process is already starting it's important it's so important to recognize it and and how we all deal with it and process it is yeah. different yeah. but like being in tune with that feeling of just like tense, tight, cluttered, yeah. <laughs> um, it can if if you let it go too long, it can it can really mess you oh, up. It'll mess you up. And you know the the ways that you think help mm-hmm. might not actually be helping. You know if you're really in tune with like you know what you do to unclutter yourself and and whether or not it's really having an effect mm-hmm. you know cuz you can go for a walk and say ah I went for a walk but if you're still if you're still thinking about it, yeah 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 it uh, it it won't matter there has to be some type of of plan of let me come back mm-hmm. let me come back a walk may help you know, it just depends on the person. You got to be present in your method. Like oh, even yeah. if your method is a walk, oh, like, yeah. be present, be present. and and let it do what you need it to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Just don't go walking. You're still thinking of you because now you're just walking and thinking about <laughs> the stuff that you 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 wasting your time walking. Yeah. you know.
want to talk to you about traditional grip because okay. um, I, I'm, I'm so frustrated and, and perplexed uh, <laughs> by traditional grip. I, I don't play it anymore mm-hmm. um, because I, I started playing it in marching band in high school and then continued uh, in, in jazz mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. I just... I just picked up the sticks and started doing traditional grip. I'd been playing match since I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. So I never went through the process of constructing a proper traditional grip technique that was as strong and as fluid and as good as my match grip technique. And I let that go for 20 years. And a few years ago, I finally got to a point where I knew I was either going to have to start from scratch with my traditional grip and build it up all over again or just let it go. Let it go. And I chose mm-hmm. to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell, tell me about your relationship with traditional grip <laughs> and, and why, why it's your grip. Well, I, my dad was a drummer mm-hmm. and all he played was traditional. Mm-hmm. So, when I first started playing, that's how he put the sticks in my hand. Mm-hmm. He said, "Here's a, you know, there's a proper way to play." And he came out of uh, band, you know, playing snare. And uh, then when he 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 said it, just he never really thought to play match, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, when he started playing full set of drums, it just stuck with him. Um, he taught me that. And it was my choice not to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could play it because he taught taught it to me. But as I'm growing, I was just more comfortable just playing match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't been consistently playing traditional that long. It's probably been, you know, not, you know, you know, on Facebook, those videos of three years ago. Two right, years ago, right. show up. You're celebrating three years of friendship with Match Grip. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. So now, when that stuff comes up, that that was posted of me playing. Okay, so around. Okay, now it's, it's reminding me. This was around the time when I started really uh, getting back to playing a full show mm-hmm. traditionally. And uh, man, the most I could say with me because I wanted to be different. You don't see too many people uh, with the genre of music that I do mm-hmm. playing traditional. Mm-hmm. That's number one, because I wanted to be different. I didn't want to sound and look. That's my second thing. Ma- playing traditional made me play different. It does. It makes me play different. Yeah. It bring it. It brings out it. It the thinking that I have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, in order for me to uh, get through a song differently, uh, it it just makes me play different. And I like what it is because that was going back to number one. I wanted to be different. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to sound like everybody else. Yeah. Whatever I do. You, I, and I, you, you don't sound like the, you know typical church drummer the typical smooth jazz drummer right, or right. like you you you've done it you yeah. are different <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I've, I've completed that um but i and i want to go higher in it every day man mm-hmm. I, it took me a long time 
to get back to, you know, I know guys say, you know, yeah, it, Lewis, before I was playing tradition, yeah, he's he's a great drummer, da-da-da-da-da, uh, you know, but I still wanted to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted I wanted to be, as, as much as I was influenced by other drummers, I wanted to be a change for other drummers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to influence other drummers, you know, um, so you, you you didn't feel bad about how you sounded, like you were confident no. in your abilities, but but you just felt like you I needed, sounded too similar to I, yes, a lot of other exactly, people. Exactly, exactly. Huh. I just really wanted to be different. So and, rather rather than go for a different sound with the same grip, you chose to go with a different grip and let that change. And your let sound. that change me. Interesting. Yeah. As it, it goes back to what I was thinking about kind of moving cities. Like I think you and I had a similar experience moving to Atlanta where it, it presented an opportunity to just kind of reinvent yourself a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Like start from scratch. Uh, don't, you know, maybe don't tell people too much about what you did before mm-hmm. and just let mm-hmm. them kind of give you opportunities to, do stuff they think you might be good at. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, um, so, what was the what was the process of like making that switch to to trad? Like, uh, did, was there a lot of exercise involved? Was there like who just getting back? Yeah. Uh, and what was your source for like proper grip, proper technique, chops building? Uh, well, first it was when I first wanted to go back, it was just reverting back to my youth of how my dad taught me how to hold the stick. Uh-huh. Then it was, uh, because a lot of, it, it, a lot of guys just like me when I first started, it was, I, I can't play like this, uh, uh, not even a full song. Right. You know, because it, it felt so different and I wasn't getting the, the crack I wanted out of the snare with my left hand. And, you know, but it's just a thing of, you have to stick with it. Mm. If you really want it, you have to stick with it. It's not going to come overnight. Mm -hmm. And I know that's frustrating. Mm -hmm. You know, we want things to, you know, you feel like I'm working at it. I'm working. Why isn't it happening? Yeah. Because it takes time. Yeah. And I really had to going back to renewing my mind because that was one of the things, this is one of the things that made me frustrated. And I had to, Okay, you know, before I get, I, I tip the whole kid over. <laughs> Let me step back, right? And I'll come back and try it again. It's mm-hmm. just one of those things where you have to stick with it. Uh, look up some things. Uh, thank God for technology for YouTube. Look up mm-hmm. some things technique wise um, to help you out. Yeah. And going in the direction that you want to go. What were those things? Were there were there a couple of sources or a couple of videos that were oh, kind yeah. of like revelatory for oh, you? Oh yeah, uh, Buddy Rich was <laughs> one. Uh, just the way because it was a way, you know, that when he hit with his with his left hand, and I think he was left handed too. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he left-handed? I think he was left-handed. This, Man. I think, this is why he, you know, his left hand was incredible. It's yeah. just as much as his right. Uh-huh. You know. Um, the way he hit, you know, the way he sounded when he would hit, he, that was a major. I was just, oh, yeah. Man. And you know. he, I mean, he was almost Moeller before Moeller. Yeah. Kind of, right? Kind of, yeah. I, mean, I don't know yeah. exactly what year the Moeller thing came around. Yeah. Like, as I'm as I'm thinking of, like, how Buddy moved, mm-hmm. especially with that left hand. Oh, like, yeah. It was basically Moeller. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Another thing was my dad, when he taught me how to hold the sticks, he taught me the rudiments of doubles, singles during my traditional, uh-huh. you know, time with him. So that helped out a lot. 
Just going know, back to that. Just going back to that and just doing it mm-hmm. for however long you need to do it. Just stay consistent and stay right there. Do your do see how long you can go with with singles. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to slow down, slow down. If you have to, if you if you good to speed up, speed up. But the thing was, don't stop. Hmm. Don't stop. You know, see how long, see see how long it'll burn. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Same with this this uh, doubles. See how long you can go. You know where it's consistent and it's not. It, it's it's almost like smooth water. Right. You know with the right. doubles. You know. Did you ever just, hurt yourself or, or no. did you kind of know your limit there? I knew my I knew my limit. Uh. I knew my limit. And once once it became unbearable. Okay. Right. Stop. Right. You know. Or once it once it came. You know, once it came unbearable, I slow down. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If 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 I can't do it slowing down, okay, now I got to stop. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it, it it didn't hurt. I just I knew the limit. Right. I knew the limitations of how far I can go. Yeah. You know? So and and there's probably I would imagine the combination of this, mm-hmm. like doing that that kind of monastic <laughs> yeah. work by yourself, but also on the job training, like mm-hmm. figuring out what your left hand can do on the gig and then going home and saying, okay, here's what we got to work here's on. We got to work on. Yeah. I mean, man, it's, uh, countless gigs of another one was, you know, proper snare position. Yeah. It, it, all that stuff came into play, man. Right. And all there's so that. much out there. Like you look at, like take all the trad grippers Yeah, and, and all their setups are totally different. Their grips, their hands yeah. look totally different. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard to figure Seat out. Position. Yeah. All of that yeah. played, man. And that's why I said it took a long time. I know people think, oh man, he just got back. Oh no, no. It took me a long, I'm still learning. Yeah. That's this, as, as we speak, all I'm right. still like, okay, now what can I do to, uh, execute this, this this feel coming up, right, you know, right. to where it would be easy, you know, to for me to do a match. How can I do this and execute it on a grip? I'm still like yeah. it never it never ends. That's that that is the reason the main reason that I I stopped doing traditional grip because mm-hmm. like you, I liked how it made me play. Mm-hmm. I liked the ideas that it it brought to me. The problem was that I, my left hand wasn't strong enough to execute those ideas, you know. Yeah. Because I had a head, fl- you know, a head full of influences. Like, I mean, Keith Carlock is one of my favorites. Oh man! Yeah. And and um, you know, I would I would try to like bring some of his thing mm-hmm. into and and you know, my my trad grip is nowhere near as good as his. So it just <laughs> didn't work yeah. most of the time. So I had to figure out I kinda went the opposite way. I was like, how do I how do I go for the sound I want with but I like I, I can't have the grip that I want mm-hmm. that that puts that sound in my head. So mm-hmm. I have to keep that sound in my head with the stronger grip that I can actually get around with. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so right. that's been a journey. And yeah. you talk about being frustrated with like the, the brush thing oh, man. is frustrating the hell out of me oh, because man. I was talking with, uh, you know, Justin Chizarek, he's a great, great jazz drummer in town and he does yeah. other stuff, but just okay. a monstrous jazz drummer and he's a match gripper. Okay. And I was telling him how I was getting rid of traditional grip. And I was like, I think I might still do brushes trad though. And he was like, why? Just 
go, go all in, man. If you're going to switch, like, really switch. Just really switch. So, yeah. like, doing yeah. matched brushes has been the, the toughest thing mm-hmm. for me in that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so what, like, what do you feel your limitations still are with, with traditional grip? Oh, uh, man. Because you don't appear to have any limitations. It, it, it I, does look like that, but man. I mean, like, I've, I've seen a lot of drummers around Atlanta, and, mm-hmm. and there are guys that have, you know, amazing swing and amazing grease and amazing mm-hmm. touch, and you've got all of that. <laughs> but in terms of just, like, getting around the kit and facility and just being able to execute ideas, I don't know that I've seen your equal in town. Oh, man. It's it's disgusting. Ah, man. <laughs> bless you, bless you, man. But uh, I know it looks like it, but man, it can. I'm still working on, uh, you know, stuff that I could do with ease, with which with match, mm-hmm. with traditional. I, I'm working on. Uh, what is? It? I'm, I'm working on the one hand. Uh, I don't know. It's like. The push pull effect. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't perfected that. Yeah. It, only in certain time signatures where it can go. And it's better than how when I first started. Uh-huh. But it's not to perfection. Uh, how? And when you say push pull, like this is not a visual medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're talking about like between oh. the thumb and uh, what is it? Oh, you got a stick. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. So between, yeah, it's between. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So like using the index finger. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. like one one stroke with the thumb fulcrum and then yeah. another one with the index finger. Yeah. Yeah. So drop, boom. Right. And pull up with the index. Yeah. Tighten it and it'll, you know, yeah. knock that out. Car- so. Carlock's got that down. Ah, uh, man. And I mean he and his his traditional I mean he's at the the butt end yeah. of the stick yeah and it's like how in the world it's insane like those those two fingers on top the yeah. index and the middle finger are just oh, like tickling the man. stick and just tick 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 oh man <laughs> Buddy Rich had that down to a T yeah and I mean it uh, he it makes me upset yeah. even thinking about it yeah um, Vinny Caliuta is another one yeah he's got that one handed. Roll with the left mm-hmm. down to a T to where now he is like he's not even thinking about it. he can do stuff with the you know and I'm like I'm just trying to just do the one and trying to make that right. you know <laughs> appealing and that's the thing about traditional grip is like we you know you talk about Buddy mm-hmm. Keith Carlock and Vinny Caluda mm-hmm. that, like all of their traditional grips look different yeah and they move different yeah like it's, it's it's so much more personal mm-hmm. I think than mm-hmm. than match grip like figuring out the trad grip that works for you yeah you know because yes. you can't make your hand look like somebody else's hand right. it just doesn't move right. the same way all right and I think like trad grip emphasizes that so much more than than match grip yeah match grip is so much more universal you can watch a guy play match grip and want to pick up on something he does and and you don't have to take into account well like well how big is his hand Mm -hmm. really (laughs) right 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 yeah absolutely absolutely oh man yeah well it's it's beautiful to see man your 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 technique and your grip and just the dexterity around the kid is so fluid and i can see what you mean about how the grip influences your ideas mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. you know it's becoming a lost art form man and i i'm just that guy t- 
to be dared to keep it going, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Especially in your world. In my world, like right. Like, in the, in the, whether you want to call it the church or the gospel yeah. or the smooth jazz yeah. or whatever, yeah. like, um, a, you know, a lot of, a lot of drummers just kind of look and sound the same. The same. Not that they're all doing exactly the same thing, because right. everybody has their own personal right. Right. thing, right. but, like, it's kind of a big bucket <laughs> with a lot of guys in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you don't you don't move or sound or, or play like like the rest of the guys in that circle. And I appreciate it, man. That's just just one of the things of, you know, because I'm in a different generation now to where like I'm, you know, I'm a little older, but mm-hmm. I'm in between. You know, I have an old soul. Right. I came up with. Dennis and Weko, sure. you know, I came up in it, and now I'm seeing, I'm looking back and seeing the young guys right. come up, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm in between both, so, you know, I can go both ways, yeah. you know what I mean, but yeah. try to still be, I'm not too far off to where I can look behind me and say, oh, I want to sound like, I want to sound like that, you right. know, and be like, well, no, this is where I came from, mm-hmm. you know, looking forward, you know, mm-hmm. so. How old are you? I'm 36. Okay, so yeah. I'm I'm a couple years older than you, but yeah, like it's the, the same generation where like we're we're that generation that was kind of between analog and digital. Oh yeah, like oh yeah. We had analog childhood and digital, and digital adulthood. Just like YouTube, we we came from no YouTube, so now we have YouTube. Right and now, you can see, you know, you can uh, decipher what you want. And what you've came from right. by looking at, you know, playing playing wise, what you're looking at on YouTube, like, oh, okay, so this is like, uh, all this stuff is just, uh, it's it's almost like an epidemic. It's like everything <laughs> you guys are doing the it's same an epidemic thing. of notes. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like okay, you guys are all right. Um, well, I like that, you know, but I like the old school before, you know, give me the cassette tapes yeah. of uh, a, a great record, yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. I, f- I feel like, I mean, it's true for all drummers, but may- I think especially for our generation, like we got to be careful what we let in oh, absolutely. to our playing or what yeah. we go for. Because like you can, you mentioned YouTube or Instagram or whatever, like every time I see something, you know, my my instinct is like, oh, I I gotta go, I gotta get that shit together. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to ask myself, like, do a can I sound like that? Mm-hmm. Can I ever possibly sound like that? B should I sound like that? Mm-hmm. Do I want to sound like that? You know, and the answer to both of those questions is usually no. Mm, right, right. <laughs> like right. I have to stay more focused on what I do, where I come from, what I want to do in the future, um, and and not just superimpose Instagram videos onto my yeah. playing yeah. on my wedding gig. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because you'll find yourself being influenced by that, and before you know it, you'll be sounding just like what you don't want right. to happen. You'll be a bad impression of that thing of that, that you're thing trying, that you're trying, to, trying do. to do. <laughs> and, not only, and you won't even notice it'll be your bandmates around you like, uh, what's that? Right, you know? right. Oh, man. Um, well, the last thing I want to ask you about yeah. is is that T-shirt. Play oh. that, play that record right. <laughs> yeah. Talk about talk about that. Well, this was uh, a vision that someone gave me, um, and when the opportun- when this this Weckle situation popped up, uh, and uh, John was like, "Man, 
if there's anything you want to sell, you know, he said, if you want to sell a pair of dirty old socks, just let me know. (laughs) And it was just the vision that the person put in my head came back. And I said, let me try and do something different. You know, something that I've never done before, something that doesn't have to do with picking up a pair of sticks, Mm -hmm. you know. Let me try and, and start a brand here. And thankfully, man, I was very successful in it that night. And ongoing now, you know, as people. So last Monday out, night was like the coming the first, out party yes. for, for this. I had just got finished making the shirts up probably not even 12 hours before Monday. Yeah. You know, it was uh, John had told me about it. You know, he asked me if I wanted if I had anything to sell. Two weeks before the show, mm-hmm. you know, so I I thought, okay, what can I have for a logo? Uh, you know, what 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 size or, or you know what color or anything like that? You know, everything just started coming together. Mm-hmm. How would I get it out there? Uh, would I make it myself? And things were being put in place for all those questions I had in my head to all the way up to the time where. Monday came and it was there and now it's people are asking about it all over the place yeah so what does what does that mean to you what this means to me is kind of what what kind of we've been talking about it's just play the stuff correctly yeah I mean and and really it doesn't even have to be in a music form uh in the music form, in the music world, it would be, yeah, play that record right. Do it justice. Do it justice, yeah. right. It can be for life as well. Mm-hmm. Just don't do it. Don't do any. Just do it the right way. Be true to it. Be true to it. Yeah. Do it the right way. You're just doing it anyway. You're not going to come out victorious. Mm-hmm. You do it the right way. Mm-hmm. You, you, you'll come out fine. Right. You right. know, it, it, this is a life thing right here you yeah, know yeah. play that record right it you know but it stems from music but you can look at it as a way of life yeah just do it the right way and you can you can look at it a couple different ways whether you're talking about music or whatever else mm-hmm. like you can you can look at it in the sense of uh you know sir duke was recorded at a certain tempo yes well, let's play it at that tempo right <laughs> so like adhering to it in that way but but it's also you know Whatever whatever choices you make, make them intentionally. Yes. Make them in an informed way. Do those things for a reason. Yes. Um, and so, like, e- you know, even if you want to play Sir Duke 5 BPM up, mm-hmm. you know. Still make it authentic, man. Make it authentic and be able to tell people why yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. You know, not, yeah. not just that people want to dance. Right. Because people will dance if Sir Duke is playing on the radio at the original tempo. Right. Like, you got to have a better reason. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, um, exactly. You do things you want to do, you're not going to come, you never come out right. Right. And speaking from a musical standpoint, do you, did you feel like this is something that, like, play that record right is something that needs to be said and read and people need to be reminded of this? Yes. In, in, it, it in was the music that, world? Y- yes, I feel that a hundred percent. I feel it too. Yes, I see too many versions of too many songs that are just not good. Right. <laughs> because and and, that, and I'm not going to be scared. You know, a lot of guys they they'll be approached with that question. They'll be like, "Well, no, no, I'm not going to be scared to say it." Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff where I hear 
and it's just my opinion. That doesn't mean I go bash the person Mm -hmm. because they didn't play, but it's in my opinion. And I'm just uh, making a statement. Play it right. Mm -hmm. Do it the the way that it's supposed to be done or the way that the artist wants it done. And just just do it right. You know, it's, this started off as a hashtag a few years ago for me, mm-hmm. um, and it started getting catchy, yeah. you know. And I said, you know what, I could really make this, you know, because people are already seeing it as a hashtag, and now they're putting it on whatever they post, mm-hmm. putting it under their comments, yeah. you know. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. And I feel like it's a way to kind of humble yourself to the music. Oh, absolutely. Like before you try to reinvent something, mm-hmm. try to do it as good as you the know, record. <laughs> the record. <laughs> Learn the was. record first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my best friends is a, a great singer named Shay Estes, uh, mm-hmm. and I played with her a lot when I was in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. When I first started playing with her, she's a jazz singer. Mm-hmm. When I first started playing with her, I noticed that she just delivered melodies. You know, with with jazz singers, I think they have a tendency to, you know, make a melody their own or Mm -hmm. mess with the song or just, you know, um, alter it in some way to put their stamp on it or whatever. Yes. And and I went up to her after a couple gigs. I was like, I really appreciate that you just like stick to the original melodies of these songs and just deliver them. And she looked at me and she was like, well, I I just don't think I can come up with a better melody than Cole Porter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it's just a way of like humbling yourself. This music was created by masters. Yeah. Let's get inside what they did. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to get online and get one of those shirts. Yes. There's got to be bumper stickers. Man. There's got to be tour case stickers. (laughs) (laughs) Sky's the limit with this, man. The message message needs to be shouted. I feel it it, it would be greatly shouted (laughs) out. um, And, you know, not only shouted, but uh, heed to when people, you know, know, remind you of the shirt, you know. Yeah. You're out of pocket a little bit there, you know. <laughs> that's that's it. But yeah, I'm. This is something brand new, and I'm trying to go about it. Uh, you know, it's not out. There. I'm I'm really just making the deliveries myself. I'm making these myself right now. Okay, so I was going to ask, are, like, are they available online yet? Not or? yet. Okay. I need. I'm going as soon as I leave here. I'm going to go do my research on how I can make that possible because I have a lot of people. Especially, especially from home now, mm-hmm. you know, because I made a post uh, that these would I'd have a a limited uh, selection of these at the the tribute that I just did, mm-hmm. and I pretty much sold out all of them. That's great. Know? So um, now, when I made that post, people were hitting me up from especially from home, like I need this. Yeah. Can we get them online? Can we get them online? Can we? Okay. <laughs> I need to figure out how to make these available online. Yeah. You know. I'm sure it's so, not difficult. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to see because this is, this is something I've never done before. I'm, yeah. I just stepped out and wanted to do something different, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to keep doing that. So Cool. Yeah. Man, thanks, thanks for coming over. Thanks Absolutely, for talking. Absolutely, man. It was really great Anytime. talking with you. Best of luck. Thank you very you much. You won't need it, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks again to Lewis. I highly recommend you check out some of the video content of him that's available online. Get a look at that traditional grip and the ideas he conjures that are as mind-blowing as they are musical. We're also going to try and partner with him to get some more of those Play That Record Right shirts out in the world, so be on the lookout for that. 
Once again, if you want to add a 16-inch Sabian HH Complex Thin Crash to your arsenal, leave us a review on iTunes and copy and paste it to our Facebook page. As always, you can share pics and videos of your gigs on Instagram using the hashtag WorkingDrummer for a chance to get reposted in our stories. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Instagram, Facebook, or at WorkingDrummer.net. Next week, Matt Krause will be bringing you his interview with Jay Took. They'll be talking about Jay's gig with Steel Woods and his migration from Canada to Nashville. Hope you check that out, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.